Hi there, everyone, and welcome to our live draft draft lottery result reaction show. That's coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 840 of Locked On Canadians, where we are reacting live to the lottery results. It is Monday night. This is our Tuesday morning episode, and we have some people hanging out in the chat with us today, so we will be incorporating lots of comments. Uh, thank you for those of you who are here, and also thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matla. Scott, how are you doing today, now that we know the Canadians have not moved down, but also not moved up in the draft lottery? I was doing great until Chicago won the draft lottery, which we will have plenty of thoughts on that later on in this show but overall, they stayed. They 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 stayed where they were. They didn't drop down. They didn't move up. They are where we thought they were. And you know what? Fifth isn't terrible because this has a very deep first round in it. This draft, I should say, has a very deep first round in it, and that's a, a good thing for the Canadians. They have their options here. They are not shoehorned into taking one person or another. And I know we're going to talk a little bit later on about who might be available, what we might want there. The world is Kent Hughes oyster right now. And that's probably for the best because this team has many needs and they can fill any of those at fifth overall right now. And I think one of the key things here is that obviously we all hope that they would win the lottery because they've got they've still got a lot of work to do in the rebuild. And that's something that's really key here is that we are still at the very, very beginning of one. We hope that it's not going to take too long. We hope that it's not going to be, you know, five, six years before we start to see some excitement on the ice. But I think you can take this, the team of the last two seasons and you can tell that there is a very, very long way to go for this team to be contender. So I think one of the other things, and we are going to talk about this a little bit later as, as we find out exactly where that Florida pick ends up being, is that the Canadians now have options. They've got a top five pick. They've got a few people that are likely to be available there because I think, you know, three to seven really has a lot of really compelling cases. I think you can't go wrong with, you know, you can guess Bedard is going to the first overall winner. Fantilli is going to the second overall winner. Thanks. Like, uh, not thanks. Good luck, Anaheim. Because, you know, now, now it, it, it's time to kind of like show a little bit more progress. But for the Canadians, they've got a little bit of time. But it's also really unlikely that they're going to draft this low next season, right? It's unlikely that they're going to finish this low, sorry, to draft this high next season. So they have to be very, very smart about how they fill their cupboard uh, like this particular draft, they have to really, really take care to pick a guy with really high upside. I think that's the key thing here is that you have you have to have somebody who's not a surefire NHLer but will be a third liner. You have to pick somebody who has the potential to be a star. That's what the Canadians need. They've got depth in that okay middle six kind of kind of role or like you know your middle pairings. 
They need top line guys. They need top six guys. They need top pairing guys. They need slam dunks. And you need a guy that has a lot of talent, that if you put the right things into place and he's lucky with his injuries, he's going to turn out to be the driver of this team when they're contending. And I look at that and I go, they do need a star. And that is why first overall this year, and God love Yaroslavkovsky, the ceiling of Connor Bedard and Eden and even Adam Fantilli is astronomically different than where Slavkovsky's is. Slavkovsky is going to be an NHL player if his development continues and continues to stay healthy and everything. Connor Bedard is a generational potential talent in the NHL. Franchise defining that for the Canadians, you get Connor Bedard and your reach that goes from over here to over here, which I realize this is going the wrong way on your screens, but the right way on my eyes, it gets closer to the end of the bar here. And that's huge. And it's not the end of the world because Kent Hughes has been patient with this. And I'm not worried about that. They do not, they, a superstar changes the, the entire face of your organization. The Canadians are also not dependent on just one piece to make everything work. However, they have to be, like you said, they have to be smart about what they're doing here. If you swing for safety, you're going to set the bar lower and you're going to set a lower ceiling for what your team could possibly be. And yeah, you could potentially win with a bunch of Dalibor Dvorskis across your lineup, a bunch of solid players, but none that stand out, or you can be that team like, like Edmonton is finally getting it together with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, because they got a goalie who can stop a gigantic beach ball, which is nice for them, but it, it's, it's so, so close. They tanked in the wrong year. And I know Kay is probably hanging out in one of the other live streams and she says this all the time. They tanked in the wrong year, which what are you going to do? Sometimes things just come to a head and you have to do it. Now it's up to the scouting staff, the Canadians development team. What can they do to make this work? All right. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the players who are going to be available. And there's some chatter in the chat about that. So we will address that all in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Indeed. Are you hiring? Then you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that help you find matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data in the U.S. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offers good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So all of you got to witness us reading an ad live on air, uh, which is really, it's, it's hard enough when we're recording and you guys aren't here. Uh, this is honestly one of the hardest things that we have to do. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the players that may be available at that fifth overall marker. And who we would like. So there's a little bit of talk about Mitchkov in the chat. Some people don't want him. Some people want him. He's extremely talented. The knock on him is that is he ever even going to come here? Um, and that's really a big one. And we have heard uh, that 
the Canadians are not super enthusiastic about that possibility. Now, they, it's the, I think the quote is they are unlikely to go that route. They could change their minds. They absolutely should. For this entire thing, there will be a smart team that is willing to play the long game with Mitchkov and wait for his contract to be up and for him to come over. Like I said, and like Tony Ferrari said, we talked about this is Kirill Kaprizov is the closest example we have of something like this. And Mitchkov didn't stand out in his initial KHL stint there with SKA St. Petersburg, went down to the VHL dominated, which is their AHL league. And then went to Sochi in the KHL on a loan and absolutely lit it up there and found that game where we know he is just a next level talented player. And we obviously, because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, they were not allowed to participate at IIHF events. Mitchkov would have absolutely lit the world on fire at world juniors. He's that talented. He did it uh, at the under 18s. He had 16 points in seven games. He's a freakishly good talent. And a good team with the ability to make sure that they can make this work should do that. Should be able to let him find his way there and when he in that time frame and trust in his development. And I know that there's a lot of unknowns with that. And I think some people are correct in looking at this and going, a team might pick him. And Columbus loves to go off board, so to speak. This is right up Yarmo's alley. And admittedly, Mitchkov in Columbus with guys like Kent Johnson and other players is a thrilling possibility. And if he's gone, and that means Carlson drops to four or Smith drops to five, that option is there. The Canadians are going to get someone good at fifth overall. I just don't want them to pick safely. We've heard Reinbacher. We've heard Dvorsky. There's nothing wrong with these players. But if Mitchkov is there and you pick David Reinbacher, you are cowardly. And it is not what this team needs. This team needs that chance at an elite high-level talent. Cole Caulfield fell into their laps at 15th in 2019. The chances of that happening, again, are rare. Take that opportunity. If an old-school GM and group can see the value in that, so should one that's more forward-thinking right now. So we've got a question from Mike Y. Can Will Smith make the team next season? All right, so let's talk a little bit about Will Smith. Uh, No. And not because he's not talented, but because I don't think he needs to. There are maybe two players in this draft that would make the Canadians next year. And they're Fantilli and they're Bedard. Maybe Carlson. I think Carlson, we talked with Patrick Bexell about this, either spend some more time in the SHL playing another year there or play in the AHL and get adjusted to North American ice. But Bedard and Fantilli are the only two that I could see making this. Mitchkov is a toss up just because I don't know. Uh, across the board. I obviously don't get to watch a ton of KHL hockey, but I know in talking to the scouts that I do trust, understand that he is that guy. Um, and Smith doesn't have to make this team. Let him go to college for here. He's going to play with a lot of his line mates from this U.S. program where they were incredible this year. And it gives him that opportunity to continue to learn and grow and get that next level. It worked for Caulfield going into out of the U.S. program to Wisconsin. It's it's just trust that process in there. I think Will Smith is a fantastic talent. Putting him in the NHL this year, rushing things, and is a recipe for disaster. 
So we talked a little bit about Mitchkoff. We talked about Will Smith. We talked about Carlson. Is there anyone else you wanted to bring up before we move on to our next segment? Talk about Chicago getting the first overall and talking about a lot of people want to talk about trading up. So we'll, we'll address that in the next segment. But first, Scott, was there anyone else we wanted to talk about in this segment? I mean, I guess Oliver Morse there too, a pretty good consolation prize. Uh, my fears are going to go safe and that is going to continue to be my fear. I, I don't have an issue with Oliver Moore or Dvorsky or any of these guys as players. I just don't want them to go safe. I really, really don't. I think you can kind of look at it and like last year, they didn't go safe. They, they took a big risk, right? They so, took two big risks in the first round. They did. So, like, you know, they're 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 bold. This is this is a bold team. The question is, are they going to follow up their bold choices last year by making safe choices this year to balance it out? That's the big question for me. So obviously, we will be we will continue to have draft content as as the we get closer and closer to June 28th and 29th. Uh, but also we will be talking about the Chicago getting the first overall and if there's a possibility to trade up, and that's coming up in just one moment here on Locked on Canadians. All right, Scott, yes. we're not happy. Chicago got the first overall pick and I've got the second overall. And, and we do like, you know, we do like J.D. Young uh, of, of Locked on, not J.D. Young, I'm so sorry, J.D. Hernandez of Locked on Anaheim Ducks. Uh, we do want him to be happy. We also think Fantilli with Zegers would be phenomenal. Uh, but what is the possibility that the Canadians might be able to move up in a draft like this? I feel like the possibility would exist a lot stronger if it was a weaker draft. I think so too. Uh, the chance is zero this year. The amount that the Canadians would have to give up to move up from fifth to first would be fifth, Florida pick, probably Owen Beck, and then probably another talented prospect on that roster. Someone like a Caden Gooley, someone like a Joshua Wah, someone you, you have the amount to move up to first overall, even in a poor draft year is astronomical. Like last year, the Canadians could have considered it and I would have probably taken it actually, because I still don't think Shane Wright would have gone first overall. I still think, uh, I think that potentially Cooley would have gone instead of Slavkovsky. The Canadians weren't picking first, but uh, that is what it is. And to answer Tyler's question, uh, can you check Tankathon and maybe explain why Will Smith is at sixth overall? I don't know where they source their ranking from unless they do one themselves, uh, but everyone's different because EP has Will Smith at nine. I believe some people have him in the top four. Some people have him at five. Everyone's thoughts are different, which everyone is entitled to their opinion. So I'm not 100% sure where they source their uh, stuff from on that. And like I said, it's mock drafts. Nothing is perfect. Last year, Shane Wright went fourth after being the potential first overall pick for, what, two years in a row? Something like that. A question from Mark. If Arizona offers the sixth and the twelfth for the fifth and ask for someone like a Mayu, would you do it? Assuming we get to keep Florida's pick, yeah. And you get to uh, three top you get three first round picks. And I look at this and go, if there's someone at five, you want, they'd probably be there at six. Cause Arizona has their eyes on somebody you get 12th where, okay, you're taking a divorce. You're taking a Reinbacher at safe pick there. And then at 20, whatever Florida picks at you swing for the fences again. And then you have another pick at 37th overall. I wouldn't ignore that possibility. 
it all depends on the prospect they're asking for in that, but it's something I would consider because three first round picks is better than two. That's just basic math. Uh, and I actually like that because I, I would be comfortable taking an Oliver Moore at six and maybe a Dvorsky at 12 versus Dvorsky at five and whomever at 20 whatever from the Florida pick. I just put a Leafs fan in a timeout because I can. Um, uh, <laughs> we got a question from our good friend, Tyler. Um, it not, not, it's not a question. It's a comment. Dvorsky is not the right move. You early trade up to fourth to get Carlson or Smith at fourth. If they're there or you take Zach Benson, Zach Benson's the guy we forgot to talk about. That is exactly it. Tyler. Thank you for that. Is that I, we talked to Tony Ferrari about Tyler or Tyler Benson, Jesus, Scott, Zach Benson. And I think that's another possibility there that if Will Smith is gone in that top four and they don't want to take Mitch you take more, you take Zach Benson. And I think you're pretty happy with that consolation prize. All things considered here, I would be stunned if they're not picking someone from the North American side of things, unless Carlson falls. But um, Randy has a question. Is there any prospect you'd refuse to trade? Probably Beck right now, unless there's a deal you can't miss out on uh, whoever they're picking at fifth overall at this point. And then maybe Joshua outside of that. I think anyone else is kind of up fair game because the Canadians need to add if they can. So, uh, I'd have to take a deeper look at the prospect pool here. Obviously I've been focused on the draft lottery, but I suppose we should get to the news where a team won the draft lottery that kind of didn't deserve anything this year, but we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about Chicago winning the draft lottery, but uh, we kind of have to mention that they won it despite the fact that the organization has been nothing but a disgrace uh, in the last two years or so, plus Uh, all the the covering up they did before that. Yeah. Like Uh, decade. (laughs) It's deeply upsetting. It's gross. They nakedly tanked for it. And the NHL continue. And I get it. It's a random pick. And yes, I am absolutely coping right now. Coping super hard. But it's a rare occurrence that you see 31 NHL fan bases come together to unite against hating one sole thing. I have not seen this in a long time. A long, long time. It's a rare occurrence. It is a capstone in history. The NHL got almost every fan base to agree to one thing, and that's that they hate the result of this. So it's like the NHL, all 31 fan bases are united in joy about the outcome or the current state of the of the Leafs Florida Panthers series. And then 31 <laughs> fan bases are united in hate for uh, the draft lottery. So here's a couple questions that I have for you, Scott. Um, the Canadians right now have two picks in the first round. Yes. They've got some coming up in the coming years as well. Thanks to their lovely, you know, whatever the Sean Monaghan trade commissions are. (laughs) Um, how many risks do you take in this draft? Well, they've got 12 picks this year, I believe. Last year they did exactly kind of how I would have done it. They went risk. They went risk again. They picked probably the safest pick they could have made the entire draft with Owen back. And then they took a risk again with Lane Hudson. And this is not counting other picks they might add if they're trading roster players in the coming weeks here, because that is absolutely a possibility of something that's going to happen or the minute the cup is handed out, whatever. There is, 
I'm always go for skill and everything else, but there's something to be said for some safety and numbers and a bunch of surefire bets. Owen Beck might not be a superstar center, but he's got all the smarts of making being an NHL player in the future. And that's great. It's finding that balance. I don't hundred percent know what that balance is. I think the Canadians have taken a lot of risks on their current roster here. Some of them not great, but they have a lot of aggressive defensemen and puck movers and they have some prospects upcoming who are offensive forward and maybe not as defensively responsible as you might like. I don't know fully where that balance is because I look at like Toronto. They have a bunch of, they took a bunch of risks and they have all these skilled players and something's not clicking. And I don't know if it's just in between the eyes or whatever, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure where that line is. Tampa threaded it so well for so long that it kind of ruined the ability of people to think what makes a successful franchise Tampa being as good as they were for as long as they were is a rare occurrence. Like truly. Uh, And like our comments are saying, they need an elite game breaker to be a real contender. They need a score to take the weight off a call. I agree. And I think that might be Mitchkov, but that would be Mitchkov in three years, not immediate. So if they're going to take a risk, just go for it. Go for Mitchkov. Honest to God, just do it. If you play it safe, try and find that Lane Hudson. Try and find that Philip Mashar later on. They are there. There's a lot of good talent in this draft to do that. It's just, can that scouting staff identify that? So a couple of things. So Mr. X says, I don't think Montreal will make the playoffs for another three to four years. There are just too many holes on the team. And Tyler asks, do you think that without this first overall or without like that, 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 that pick, um, can Canadians will eventually contend? I think it's two different questions, but I'm going to answer it this way is that you don't know how a prospect is going to pan out until they pan out. Right. There are so many players that get taken in a later round. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but it does happen where they get taken in a later round and they turn out to be phenomenal. I think that, you know, hoping that somebody will turn into a star is not the way to go in terms of like how to approach development. I think you have to put a lot of money and a lot of uh, effort and a lot of the right people into development and and try to bring out the best in these players. But there are players that other teams will have neglected. There are players that like other people pass on all the time that become the centerpieces of a contending team. So what the Canadians need is not just an elite game breaker, but they need for some of these risks that they took for everything to go right in terms of like those players don't get injured. Those players reach their potential. Um, And that's how I think that they're going to contend. I don't think that the fact that they didn't get the first overall or they don't get a Bedard or they don't get a Fantilli necessarily means that they're not going to become a contender. It's if other things pan out the way they're supposed to pan out, if other players reach their potential, there's a possibility that there will be a game breaker somewhere in there that we didn't think about. I mean, just think about like how, you know, people talk about how Tampa makes diamonds out of, out of nothing. Like that's, you know, that was always there in that player. It's just that everything went right in their development. And I guess we can kind of cap on this. This one comes from Tom. Do you think the lottery result causes management to get more aggressive to try and finally land Dubois from Winnipeg? And actually, yeah. I I absolutely think that might be a bigger possibility. Now, had they landed Bedard, you probably don't have to trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Admittedly, having a lineup that has Bedard, Suzuki, Dubois, Doc in it is absolutely insanity. 
but at the same time, you everyone's got to play and you got to get the most out of these people. But I think not getting Bedard, and if they go hard for Dubois and get him before the draft, I think they're picking a winger or they're going to pick Reinbacher because it's you're gonna you don't want to overload that center spot there. Or maybe they do, and I just am talking out of my butt because I'm just a guy on a podcast. So I think I do think the Dubois rumors are going to kick into overdrive here, and I'm not shocked by that. It happens this time of year all the time, anyways. I think they can get him cheap. He doesn't want to be there. The Jets are, no pun intended, in free fall here. And unlike Daryl Sutter leaving Calgary, Rick Bonus is still there and publicly crapped all over his best players on the way out of the playoffs. Pierre-Luc Dubois is closer to being a Canadian now than he's ever been before, I'm pretty sure. And Scott, remind the people what you have to do. Oh, I have to eat a hat if Pierre-Luc Dubois ends up as a Montreal Canadian before the first day of training camp, which is sometime in September probably. But if he is in a Canadian's uniform at that point, I will eat a hat on a live stream. We'll do another AMA and everyone can laugh and make fun of me because that's what everyone's here for. So That is what we're all here for. And that's not true, Scott. We're here to listen to what you have to say, but we are out of time. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. This was really fun. And I'm thinking maybe over the course of this offseason, we should do some live mailbags where you guys ask questions in the chat. What are your thoughts on that? Let us know. Uh, and you can do that by, you know, subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can leave mailbag questions in the YouTube comments. Just put mailbag question at the beginning so we'll know you want us to bring it up on a Friday. Uh, as well, you can, did I say you can email us at lockdowncanadians at gmail.com? Because you Well, you can. just did now, so it works out. <laughs> so it works out. Um, you can find both of us on Twitter. Scott is at Scott Matla. I am at The Active Stick. Thank you all so, so much for joining us today. Um, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody.